Hello from Minneapolis. I am coming to you from the actual court where South Carolina just won its second national championship. There's Jackie Powell, noted photographer. There are some of my favorite women's basketball reporters, Maggie Vanoni, Charlotte Carroll, Alexa Filippo, Daniel Connolly, wonderful writers who cover UConn. Alexa, of course, started the year covering UConn, now covers for ESPN, the entire national scene. There is the logo, something that means a lot to me, right over here, the 2022 Women's Final Four. It says that, and on the men's side, it says the 2022 Men's Final Four. A small gesture, but an important one, towards equality. I am founder editor Howard Magdal of The Next, very excited to be with you. We're going to actually pose for photos right now, Jack, while we're doing it. This is what happens for those of you who haven't covered the Final Four when it's all said and done. Things get broken down all around you. All the things that you saw that made this a particularly special place are disappearing fast and furious. If you look over here on this side, the net is gone. Come to the other side. There's still the ladder up. The net is gone. I'm in the way. I'm moving out of the way of individual photos. But this is what we do. It's been a long year, a season that we started in October. All of us, am I right? Were all of us at Big East Media Day back in October? Yes. And we have covered what's been a remarkable season in women's basketball. Right now we are here. Alex Simon is with us. Alex, it's great to be with you. I wish you were here. M. Adler, I am really glad you're here as well. Maybe next year we all do it together in person. But the initial thoughts, obviously, out of a 64-49 victory for South Carolina, the confetti still on the ground, coming down now, being swept away. Anyone? Can anyone get a picture of me real quick? We're going to do this. No, no, I'm going to do this in real time. I am going to pose for the photograph because this is part of what we do. We're going to be heading over to the hospitality suite in a little while after that to talk, to chat together, and enjoy ourselves because there are so many wonderful people who cover this game. And I think it's important that you all know that. There are people who give their everything to make sure that you know these stories big and small. We spend a lot of time on it. Alex Simon, M. Adler, you're here with us as well. Alex, I'm going to start you off. What was the highlight for you of this 2022 season? I think it's the tangible examples of the progress that is being made. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all the way there. That doesn't mean that there is not an enormous amount of room to grow. I'm, but, I'm with you. I also just want everyone to see Ben Pickman as well. There are so many good people covering this game, and it's important that you know and appreciate all of them. Go ahead, Alex. No, but I think that's part of it. I think mm-hmm. we at The Next have done a wonderful job of trying to set examples of a newsroom that can work, but I think what we've seen this season is all of the ways in which we saw this sport get underappreciated and underfunded by the NCAA, and so much of that, even in a small dose in this tournament in particular, just seeing how quickly things can change mm-hmm. for good, even if there is so much room to continue to go. And also, within the duality of that, just the high-level basketball that we saw all year long, mm-hmm. from 
the obvious national champion, but from all four teams in the Final Four, frankly, from every team in the Sweet 16 was an elite-level basketball team at different points of the season. And we got to see some absolutely sensational basketball games, night in and night out. We were talking to Dawn Staley after this game was over, and I asked Dawn a question that's been on my mind really since the start of this season, which was, is this the best South Carolina team there's ever been? Uh, I believe it is, and Dawn agreed. We talked about that essentially defense was the separator. Uh, I want to bring Jackie Powell in here. Jackie has done a wonderful job covering for us all year, and of course writes at Bleacher Report. Alex Simon of Bay Area News Group, as well as with us, and M. Adler, who has written for us, but also at the Duke Chronicle, uh, wrote about a Duke team that um, well, wasn't here, but, you know, uh, maybe next year. And so, Jackie, you've been in this season from start to finish. There we go. And you were out here in the moments after mm-hmm. it ended. Take me through just what it felt like to be out here, what you saw and what those, what that color was like. So... I remember, so my eye was on Aaliyah Boston at first, and this was also something that I saw happen after South Carolina beat Louisville, which was you didn't see the emotion immediately. It was all, it was all bottled up. It was within her, and she sort of just walked through. I think she was smiling, but she didn't really let it out yet. But then what ended up transpiring was, the, the cheerleaders, the South Carolina cheerleaders came onto the floor and that group then um, connected with Aaliyah and I think it was Letitia me here. Mm-hmm. There was maybe three of them. And you see Aaliyah like jumping up and down like a little kid with these cheerleaders. And clearly she knew them. She knew who they were and she invited them to be on the floor with them. Mm-hmm. And then, moments later, you see Dawn Staley do something really similar, which is she takes the national championship trophy, and she's holding it, and mm-hmm. she walks right across the floor, all the way to the end, to the South Carolina pep band. And I'm thinking, it was just a weird thing. Like, mm-hmm. why, why would she bring the trophy over to them? Mm-hmm. And so she brings it over to them, and she hands it over to a few of the people sitting in the front row of the pep band. And you can hear them shouting. And, you know, you just, you watch Dawn watch them. And she's watching their joy. And it was just a, a really holistic moment because I think it really represented what Dawn Staley has built, not only on the court, but in the community itself. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of saw Aaliyah Boston and Destiny Henderson and Zaya Cook. They walked all the way toward where the South Carolina fan section was. And they took selfies with every fan that asked. Um, there were two fans that gave Aaliyah Boston T-shirts that they had made. There was a red shirt, and then I think there was a black shirt with gold text on it. Mm-hmm. And I shouted out to Aaliyah. I said, Aaliyah. Did they, are those homemade? Did they make them for you? And she was sort of shocked. She was like, yeah, yeah, they did. And so Leah Boston started at one end of the, um, the section. She made her way across the whole floor. So anyone who wanted their picture with Leah Boston was going to get it. Leah Boston growing the game. And 
you know, so for Don Staley, somebody who combines passion with joy, with seriousness of purpose, it's a very Philadelphia thing in much the same way that her opposite number in this game, Gina Oriama, you know, also from the Philadelphia area, can speak to. So I, I want to turn my computer, if I can, over here to Jonathan Tannenwald. Who's not from Philadelphia, but... Yes, but writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer, has for quite a long time, and is a critical part of my Philadelphia Inquirer subscription. And I want to ask him, Jonathan, why is it that Gino and Dawn, two very different people, have had so much success in this particular game? It's I don't a town. mean tonight. I mean yeah, large. I know. It's a town that produces extraordinary basketball coaches. And I've never quite figured out the secret sauce in the years that I've lived there. Mm -hmm. But the city takes so much pride in coaching, in good coaching, good defense, certainly, which South Carolina plays a whole lot of as they Mm -hmm. did tonight. Um, The separator, by the way, in why Dawn says this is her best team ever. Yeah. And I I sat thinking while we were waiting for Dawn to come back to to the news conference, about the inevitability of this South Carolina team, just how it felt all season that they were the you know they were the number one team every week in the polls. Mm-hmm. They were the number one overall seed. They almost completely rolled into this game, and yet it's a final. It's March. It's Paige Becker's playing at home across the floor, and you weren't quite certain when the ball went up what would happen. Mm-hmm. But five minutes into this game, when it was 13 to 2, you were certain. Mm-hmm. And that was really, I thought, exceptional. It is maybe the most difficult thing to do in sports, right? Mm-hmm. Is to know you are the hunted, know you are the favorite, and find a way to win and win with dominance. She spoke about dominance in the post game press conference. I thought that was so interesting. Talked about that that has so long been the province of men and that to make it, the province of women was something powerful. And I thought that spoke to the way in which Dawn allows us to reimagine the way the game of basketball and, in fact, the greater world can be. But her opposite number I had a chance to speak to as well, uh, Gina Oriema, uh, who gave a really thoughtful press conference post-game, and then, as he so often does, did his post-game post-game, where he spoke in, uh, additionally to reporters as well. And Gino was as excited at any point. I'm going to take us over here while we do about 2022-23. Gino Oriema's biggest excitement at the end of five months, Gino was under the weather. A lot of Gino's team was under the weather. And the thing that Gino was most excited about was 2022-23. In the same way, and it was a parallel to me, that I remember the way he was so excited about the next year in the waning moments of the night in 2016 when he won the 11th national championship. And that will at least stand for another year as the last national championship that we've seen out of UConn. And despite having a dominant season of success and about to send Brianna Stewart and Mariah Jefferson and Morgan Tuck as one, two, and three in that upcoming draft, the thing he was most excited about was the year ahead. So now M. Adler, who I, you know, I know obviously is very disappointed about the UConn loss and has been on their bandwagon all year, <laughs> I'm curious, Emma, if you could take me through how good you think they're going to be in 2022-23 and more significantly how you have learned that out of what we saw tonight in tonight's game. So 
the thing about UConn in 2023 is um, they are going to be losing. They're going to be losing Evina Westbrook. She's out of eligibility. They are probably, they are widely expected to be also losing starting center Olivia Nelson Adada and starting two guard Kristen Williams to the draft as well. Mm-hmm. Their scholarship limits are never a problem for them. They always have room to add players. Their class, their incoming recruiting class, includes the composite number four and five recruits in the country. And as a quick aside, we at thenexthoops.com will, um, in the somewhat near future, be finally publishing. Uh, our composite recruiting boards, um, yes, as the indeed. men have to, as the men have to compile their big three uh, sites for recruiting rankings. So too will we finally have somewhere to compile the big five for women's basketball. So as a composite, they have the number four and five incoming players, both incredibly talented, obviously, in combo forward. I hope I pronounced this correctly. Is Zune Brady and big wing Ayana Patterson. Mm-hmm. They are both huge talents. Patterson, in particular, has been lauded for very athletic combination of scoring skills. I just they are also to listening. Out, there's, there's a bit of a Patterson scouting report. Uh, James Kay had the chance to go see Ayanna Patterson recently at the McDonald's All-American game. She'd go over to thenextsoups.com. You can check that out. Yeah. The thing about them both is they are listed at 6'3 and 6'2 in terms of mm-hmm. their heights. What UConn ran into in this game was they ran into a South Carolina team whose top about eight or nine rotation includes six players at 6'2 or taller. South Carolina is going to be losing. They're going to be losing Lily Brissett, their backup forward. They're going to be losing um, Destiny Wills, possibly Destiny Wills, not all guard. They're probably going to be losing um, their starting four, who's, I think, listed at only like 6'2, but her wingspan's about 6'7. Yep, and they're starting point guard on Destiny Henderson. But they're bringing a 6 combo guard and a 6-3 center, Ashton Watkins, who is uh, a known dunk artist and also has an incredible wingspan. So they're not getting smaller, but UConn is also not getting a whole lot taller. And we saw that as a big struggle in this game. UConn this year only really had a, had a, had a front court rotation of three competent players. One of them, last weekend, went down with a broken wrist. And as a result, they had two in this game. Except they also played Ayana, or, sorry, not Ayana. They played Amari DeBerry, who was a top five recruit coming into this year, and she's at six five. But she only mm-hmm. played seventy nine minutes coming into this tournament. She's going to be huge for them next year because she's their only center on their roster next year. So what's interesting to me about what you're saying is that Gino Oriema, in his post post game, said, and I thought this was fascinating. He talked about the fact that. We are going to match up with them. We're going to figure out the ways in which we need to match up with them. And we're going to add the players that we potentially need to add in order to get there. Um, Gino is no stranger to the transfer portal in the way that clearly some other teams are comfortable with as well. Whether they do that or not is going to be fascinating. Now, I want to ask about a team that was the tallest, actually, in the Final Four and has a chance to be getting even taller. I'm going to pay some bills real quickly if I can. Built Bar is your opportunity to continue with your New Year's resolutions straight on into April. If you've never tried the Puffs, they're delicious. They're made from real chocolate, none of that artificial chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, these are going to be your new favorites, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. So 
Go to Built.com, try your flavor, use LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And remember, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. Grandma Myrna sent you not to bet online, but you should go to betonline.net anyway, your source for all your betting needs and sports info. Now, you're not going to have the opportunity, of course, to bet on women's college basketball, but the WNBA season is just around the corner beginning on May 6th. So go to betonline.net. That is your source to be able to bet on the game. I'm going to go to Alex Simon, and then we're going to leave very shortly because I'm going to get heckled by Lindsay Gibbs, if I'm Could not I careful. But let's let's about go. Dorka Uhas. Okay. We can't forget about her. So let's go, Jackie. Let's go, Jonathan. We're going to finish up with Alex on Stanford, and then we'll see if we can avoid getting heckled by Lindsay Gibbs. So you first, so Jackie. This is just quick. This is adding on to what M was saying. Um, UConn tonight was without six five forward Dorka Uhas. Um, if so, Dorka, she fractured her wrist uh, in the Elite Eight game against NC State. Mm-hmm. Having her back, uh, she had a whole year under the UConn system, and hopefully, her foot she's she's had a nagging foot injury this season will be healed as well. Mm-hmm. So, when you have a player start their final season of college eligibility, who understands the system and hopefully will be a lot healthier. There could be a hope to see the Dorka Uhas of uh, or the Dorka Uhas that we saw when she played for Ohio State. Listen, if we had if Dorka Uhas had stayed at Ohio State, we might have been covering Ohio State this year. Jonathan Tanawal, I'm you, under the gun because the clock is running. The here. clock is tell. running here for sure. Um, I I yes. salivate at the thought of next season and how many of these players will be back. I wrote about it in one of my preview pieces for tonight's game mm-hmm. about how, as I who cover uh, more than just women's college basketball, I cover some other college basketball you cover a lot. as well. Um, <laughs> I think about uh, the one and dones in that side of the game and how people complain about there are not stars in that side of the game. Mm-hmm. There are stars in women's college basketball, and even then they're not seniors. Yes. They're sophomores, they're juniors, and two of them, Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark, were freshmen last year, and they were already known. We are going to see them again. Sorry. I should say first years, to be clear, not necessarily freshmen. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted to mention, too, when thinking about the ramifications of this game going forward Mm -hmm. and about Dawn Staley winning a second national championship. Yes. And the number of people, including Lindsey Gibbs, who have written about how how Dawn's mantra is, if you can see it, you can be it, and the importance that she puts on other black coaches, administrators, staff, even journalists – Tonight we heard so much of that praise come back onto her yeah. from people who are on this floor, including Asia Wilson and Candace Parker, who I talked to after the game. Mm-hmm. And I just think about how this win is going to resonate and multiply among coaches, aspiring coaches, aspiring players who watched this game tonight and said, I can do that. No doubt about it. I can't wait to read your piece. And now that here's Lindsay. I'll a get great out of question. Way. Well, so I'm going to Alex very briefly. Just checking, uh, yes. checking on our timing here. We are, if you'll take a look, we're at 1926, How so we we're doing? still pretty solid here. Alex is going to say, talk about Stanford, and then we're going to go. Uh, wait, Jonathan, well, if you come with us, tonight. we're going to go to hospitality. But Alex has a point to make about Stanford because we're talking about next year. Mm-hmm. Because it never stops. Do you know the next is 24-7, 365 women's basketball? I don't know if you had heard that. Uh, <laughs> it is true. It is quite true. So, Alex, tell us about Stanford. Yeah. And, it was, and, uh, you know, we'll see if Lindsay lets you. 
it's like five different points ago, so it definitely is not at all in the immediate moment relevant. But I do think it's very interesting in the idea that if you look at where the biggest weakness was in this specific game for UConn tonight, which was inside, that is also, by the way, probably their biggest question that they're going to have to address in the transfer portal going into next season. The team that they upset, and frankly, everybody called it an upset, I think rightly so, in Stanford, Mm -hmm is not only bringing back every contributor of note inside, but is also adding the number one player in the country in six foot seven Lord Betts. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I think it's a pretty clear three horse race going into next season. And there is not necessarily a massive drop off, but there mm-hmm. is an, a significant drop off between the three teams out of the four that we saw here this weekend in South Carolina, Yukon and Stanford. I'm uh, hopeful that we can see some aggressive non-conference scheduling. I know it was asked of both Gino and Para this weekend Mm -hmm. as to why the Stanford and UConn non-conference slate was ended uh, back in 2017. It was very Mm -hmm. interesting to note some of the answers there. And to kind of look ahead, it wouldn't shock me if we see South Carolina and UConn continue their non-conference series as well. I think that is the part to kind of go off of what Jonathan is saying. That is the part that is the most exciting is that, for as much as there is going to be some players who were very talented and very good going into this WNBA draft, I don't think you would take any player if you could draft a player by talent or just who you think is the best player in college basketball. I don't think any of the top five would be seniors, would be player yeah. people leaving in here. And yeah. that's what, the part that the most is rolling right I'm trying to get you both. I'm trying to listen to Alex <laughs> at the same time. Well, no, that, but, but we saw it tonight. Very Maybe three of those you. five were on the floor tonight, and it's a junior in Boston, a sophomore in Beckers, and a freshman in FUD. And that's yes. the part to me that makes this moment in women's college basketball, and especially ahead of, by the way, we're only a year or two away from this ESPN contract that Don Staley advocated for competition on ESPN for in yeah. the postgame show, which great for Don and great to kind of call out ESPN in that way. That is going to be the part that I think matters so much more going into this negotiation point that will help the growth that we've seen manifested in its final form tonight continue for years to come. I will say just on that point, I don't think it matters so much that it's not ESPN or ESPN as much as that if there are multiple bidders, ultimately the total money that comes in with that contract and therefore how it is activated is going to go up so significantly that's what I think is really going to matter most of all. And on top of that, that competition will drive investment, not yes. necessarily financial investment, but also mm-hmm. investing in making the product as best as possible. The, the ESPN people able, right. ESPN 100%. or whoever would end up with it. If you're spending nine figures on it, as I'm mm-hmm. guessing the number is going to be in the nine figures, you mm-hmm. are going to do everything you can to make that the absolute best product you can. And if you doubt it for a second, Read the five-part series that Lindsay Gibbs did at Power Plays about this. It is a very important set of stories. It is free on the Power Plays site. Make sure you are also subscribing. Can you guys hear my eye roll? Power Plays. Well, it doesn't make it any less true. Listen, it has been an absolute pleasure covering 
this entire weekend and covering this entire Wait, college I need, season. I paint, I'm sorry. Yes. I just need to paint a picture here. Um, I don't know that, that people, if you're just listening to this, are mm-hmm. going to fully grasp right. that Howard is literally holding his laptop and charger because they kicked everyone off the media tables. Mm-hmm. And they're sweeping up. Let's the take a look. Let's take a look around. Explain it. Explain it. We are here. We were here the very first day of the season. We are here at the very last night of the season. And guess what we're going to do tomorrow? We're going to wake up and we're going to cover women's basketball for you. And that's what we're going to keep on doing. No, but not here. We're going to go to the hospitality suite and have ourselves a little bite to eat. Until next time, M. Adler, Alex Simon, you did wonderful work. The great Jackie Powell. Amazing on social. You can have a great story of Bleacher Report you're going to want to read as well. Go head over to thenexthoops.com. Check out what I wrote about the game. It's going to be updated later tonight. And you'll be seeing us all very soon. Even Lindsey Gibbs of Power Plays. You can't get rid of me, honestly. Like Never. We never will. And it's time for the WNBA draft. Here we go. Uh, and we're going to have a video mock draft coming here to Lockdown Women's Basketball later this week and starting Monday, April 11th, five shows a week, every weekday, because in case you didn't know, we have a lot to say about women's basketball. I am Howard, wishing you a wonderful night. You're listening to Locked on Women's Basketball.